in the scope of playing the drums, a lot of times you have so many different drums and cymbals that it becomes, you get lost in it. You're sort of like, there's too many options. There's too many combinations. Right. There's too many things. And what a good mm-hmm. drum teacher once told me was that, no, just confine yourself to these two drums and just work on those two. Right. And then like, just open it up right. a little bit, a little bit at a time, but don't give yourself access to the whole entire set or stick with one concept and just go in the confines of this one mm-hmm. concept. Like explore. Yeah. And then you could be creative with that section because if it's way too open, you're going to be paralyzed by having too many options. Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. Hey, Diane. Hi, Al. Glad you're here. Glad you're glad we're talking <laughs> about this because this is like a very, 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 very uh, <laughs> timely, appropriate, timely, uh, yeah. dead time and time speeding up. Yeah. Uh, combining the two, both about time and our interpretations of time. Our perception. As you said, time is not linear, although it's we think it linear. is. It's not linear. Yeah. Our human minds would like to have us believe that. So the first time I, I came across the idea of what you call dead time was when I first got divorced and I had partial custody of my joint two, custody, joint custody, but partial because I had a lesser amount. It wasn't, it wasn't 50, 50. I had like 30% or whatever it, it was. It doesn't matter how you define it. But I'm, I'm just trying to paint the picture <laughs> that I don't want to paint the picture that I was like, you know, a full-time parent. Um, so, yeah. So I had a two-year-old daughter and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, all I did up until that point was go to work. Yeah. Maybe change a diaper here or there, but kiss her goodnight. That was it. And then I was off back to work. Right. And now I'm in this predicament where, here you go. Now you have a two-year-old girl for four days straight, four nights straight. All on you. Just yeah, all have you no, and no her. Family. There's no family around. I can't go to like my parents to help. I, I did have like a, not a nanny, but like somebody, a babysitter on occasion to help a little bit. But literally for that four days, I was like, what the heck do I do with a, How do a I two-year-old this time? A two-year-old I girl. Right. I mean, what? regardless, it could have been a two-year-old boy. I mean, it would have been just as difficult. Mm-hmm. And so in that time, I, I remember like for the first few months, I would just try to kill the time. Like I just, I'm like, I'm counting down the hours of the day until she goes to sleep. Yeah. Because I don't know what to do with her. Like I'll take her outside. We go run around for a little bit and feed her something, but she's got energy. She's two years old. Active. Yeah. So I'm trying to like make plans. And by the end of the day, I'm freaking exhausted. I would actually put her to bed yeah, and then she wouldn't go to sleep that easily. So I would literally like lay next to like the crib and just sleep on the floor next to the crib. Wow. Just praying that she'd fall asleep and then just do that for a while. And then once I gave her back to her mom, mm-hmm. 
and I had like a week to myself, I would go off the handle and I'd just be like, you know, partying, dating, partying, just traveling, doing whatever I could just to get like as much excitement in as possible. How'd that work out for you? Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, that, that was a leading question. Because <laughs> I know the answer. <laughs> I know. Um, so it did not work out well. Uh, <laughs> definitely needed to like, because think about it. So like now you're in this loop of like, you're trying to get as much excitement and fun in knowing. Well, it's like the pendulum swingings from one extreme to another. Yeah. Like being the responsible parent sleeping next to your child's crib to going out partying. Right. Like, wow. And while you're in that partying mode, you're not really having that much fun because you know that that next weekend's coming, that you have the four days straight. Mm-hmm. And and Mia, if you're listening to this as an older person, isn't <laughs> any kind of resent for being a parent. You know, it's, it has nothing to do with you. It was me, <laughs> and that's what this post is going like. So when, yeah. So how did you shift out of that mindset? So I don't remember if it was a podcast or a book or where I read it or heard about it. It was just a concept called this person called it dead time, and mm-hmm. basically saying like we all have it in different ways. It could be in my way, which was joint custody. It could be in a way where you're taking care of somebody that's ill. You know, now you just have a long period of time. You're in some way restricted. Yes. You're and there's that right by location or by yeah, the circumstances restricting the location so that you can't just pick up and go whenever you want. Right. So even if you're, you know, married and you're raising a child, an infant requires 24-7 care. Somebody a newborn, yeah. So there's going to be a lot of things that you can't do that you used to do before. So in my mind, I was like, I could, before having a child, I could do whatever I wanted. And now I have a child 24 seven on me. I'm like, I can't, I'm restricted. I'm so closed off. I can't do all the things I want to do. God forbid. Right. Um, And so when I heard it, some parents do, but yeah. yeah. So when I heard of dead time, so the dead time was the idea that, all right, you're restricted by your circumstance to a location. So whether it's, again, joint custody, whatever, your job, you're raising an infant, you're taking care of a sick person. Some form of responsibility that that is the joy of adulthood. Yeah, which I thought was confining. And in some ways it is just like maybe from like a location standpoint. Like when you have an infant, you're not traveling the world with an infant. I'm sorry, it's not happening. (laughs) <laughs> All right, there's the rare person that's, you know, putting their freaking three-month-old on a plane. But People with private jets, maybe. Maybe. But yeah, the rest of us. Yeah, we have multiple nannies. You know, you're not really doing it yourself anyway. So it was this idea that you're constricted. And so mm-hmm. in my mind, it was very, like, it was um, it was a miserable time in my, my own head because I was like, I don't know how to be a parent or I'm having a lot of difficulty being a parent in this situation for that four days. And once it's, I'm praying to God that it would just be over yep. quickly. Mm-hmm. I can get to like just doing whatever I want to do. It was a very selfish kind of mindset. And then when I heard the dead time concept, it made me realize that dead time just meant, okay, so you're confined to this location. What's the liberation that you're getting from this? What's the opportunity? Where is the opportunity? Yeah. What, what can you do now that you couldn't do without this restriction? So this restriction is cr- actually creating a liberation. Like a, a, and so I was like, whoa. What I'm a like, concept. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I'm home. 
I'm with my daughter. She's looking, she's watching a cartoon and eating cocoa puffs or whatever. Right. What can I, what can I, I can sit there and stress and just be like all up in your head. When all up in my head, what am I going to do with her? Just like this day is going to be so freaking long. How am I going to kill all this time? Yeah. Or I could maybe read a book that I wasn't able to read because I've been running around and didn't feel like I had the time to do it. Or which is what I did. Start playing drums. Yeah. Start learning how to play drums. Lots of YouTube videos out there. You can basically learn pretty much anything you want if you feel like you have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. And so dead time then became this liberating time of like, oh, I could really dig into something. Yeah. Where's the opportunity for creativity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How could I utilize this time and do something new or create or write or read or whatever? Yeah. It goes from like, this sucks. I can't do all the things I want to do, all the things I, I was able to do before to now I have the time. Right. From complaining and almost railing and pushing against the restrictiveness to an expansive feeling of where is the opportunity within this experience. Mm-hmm. It's just a different feeling. And it's it comes down to the quality of the questions that we're asking ourselves. Yeah. And then we talked about time speeding up mm-hmm. and like reflecting back on like our college years, like that four years felt like forever. But then I look around in my own life now and I'm like, four years just flew by. Like where'd the time go? Yeah. And summers go fly by and like that rolls right into the holidays. And the next thing you know, the holidays are over and you're like, what is happening right. here? Like this is going way too fast. Yeah. Like somebody slow this train down. Like Head pause. It's going twenty twenty. Yeah, and now speed it up, right? Now, like, oh, hit the gas now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please floor it now. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. And so was, that's why when we talk about like this whole time thing. Mm-hmm. So in one context, like the whole dead time thing was like a miserable experience, and then it changed to like, oh, I have the time to do things. Yeah. So now time was like on my side rather than being against me. You know, so I was, it was against me in the sense that I was trying to just kill it, just kill it, get through it, get to something else. And then you started to decide to shift, to choose to collaborate with it and utilize it. Look at that word again, collaboration. Collaborates. Yeah. And when you think of time speeding up, I, again, I was thinking the book of opposites that we always talk about time flies when you're having fun, right? That's what everybody says. Time flies when you're having fun. Mm. And we both, I mean, you can find instances in your life where like you're having like a great conversation, like you were telling me before this podcast, uh-huh. For like talking six with hours. somebody, yeah, six hour <laughs> conversation. And it just feels like maybe it was like a half an hour, you know, like, I look up, I'm like, holy crap, go? I think I need to go home now. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But it didn't feel like six hours. And yet if I look at my calendar on any given day, and I look at a block of six hours of time, it just feels like, oh my God, endless, never ending. Like, yeah. How do I get through this? How do I kill but, this time? How do I kill this time? So, killing time, it seems like, so when I think of high school, college, summers as a kid, I always felt like looking back, this is all a memory, obviously. Nostalgia. But nostalgia. <laughs> and it's also like, you know, I'm kind of judging looking back on it, how long it felt. Yeah it felt really long. Like I felt summers like went on forever. It was great. I was having a great time. Mm -hmm. That four years of college seemed like, I remember like by my senior year of college, I'm like, I'm done. I'm like, I'm so over this. I'm over it. Like, let me into the real world. Little did I know. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Had we known what was waiting 
Yeah. It's like you had it too good. Yeah. <laughs> Can I go back to be a college kid? So then it flip-flops. So then you think like, so then when you're in a distracted state, when you're adulting, when you're just on this constant cycle of to-do lists and like you're in the thick of life where like you're working, yep. if you have kids, you're taking care of them. If you have any a sick relatives, you're doing that. If you have multiple projects going on and just like you're on this kind of constantly going treadmill of life, it seems life just starts flying by and you're like, that's where you're like, pause, please. How am I turning 41 this week? I'm like, wait a minute. Like, this is, how did I get to be this old? Like I lived in Charlotte for 18 years and I, it shocks me. I'm like, how am I, how have I become someone old enough to live 18 years of my adult life in a city? Yeah. And don't you think like the memories that you're like, we're creating. So all this goes back to like, when you don't have any memories of an experience, when something becomes so repetitive and routine and you're just kind of like every day just feels like the last mm-hmm. time flies by because there's nothing to look back on to say, Oh yeah. I remember that. There's or, a milestone. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think of like when you have an amazing, amazing vacation, like that's yeah. something you look back on. You're like, that was a great time. Mm-hmm. And it also feel, at least in my experience, it feels like that time slows down mm-hmm. because you get to like, when we're not constantly distracted and on our smartphones, when we're actually being more present. That whole internal, right. That whole internal experience that's going on. Huh. Yeah. Like show up and have a conversation with someone. So distraction feels like it speeds up time. Yep. Like, yeah, the more, exactly. Like, yep. what are you going to remember? Like, what kind of great memory do you have from, wow, you know, the other day I spent five hours on my cell phone, <laughs> checked out all my Instagram feed. And then I was on Facebook. I got lost in there for a good hour. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> a great day. Never, right? Nobody ever says that. Nobody ever says that. That doesn't make anyone's highlight real. No. But you'll say it after like you're late. Think about like you're just, you go to the mountains and you read some book that you've been wanting to read for a long time. Like that's could be such a pleasant, amazing experience. Because mm-hmm. you took the time to get into something that... To slow down. To slow down. So I think it, this by you internally slowing down, you're slowing down time, you know, like when you're oh, hovering that? at this vibration, that's so like, um, frantic, do, 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 produce, produce, produce. Yeah, things will start more flying. More. Oh, oh man. Culture. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. It's almost like the vibration you're holding is how you're interpreting time, mm. you know, cause when you're frantic times just freaking flying by when you slow down, it's like, Oh, time can slow down. Now I can enjoy the moments. I could spend two hours reading a book or playing the drums without being. I could allow, yeah, I could give myself permission to look for the opportunities within wherever I am and whatever I'm experiencing. Where is the opportunity? And have the kind of, have the space, have the space to like allow yourself to Mm -hmm. spend time settling in and doing something that is not quote unquote productive. By who's like me learning how to play drums, yeah. not going to make me any money. It's not going to, in the scheme of like, you know, the artificial superficial world, it doesn't produce anything. But for me, it helps me a lot, like internally, it brings- just as like reading a book for you would. And, yeah, br- but a lot of people think like reading a book is a waste of time. I can't, I can't spend three hours reading a book. I kind of freaking do shit. I got to <laughs> produce. I have to check the box. Yeah, the never ending. The boxes that just keep like, as soon as you check the top one, then one adds at the bottom. Yeah. 
that's a that's that's a hard one to like wrap your head around consistently. Like I can do it in times, but like I get back on that treadmill mm-hmm. and I, I reconvince myself that no, nah, you know what? You don't have an hour and a half right now to read a book or play the drums or you got you got shit to get a long- Do you have 10 minutes or do you have 30 minutes? That's true too, right? You don't maybe you don't need these giant blocks you of time. You don't need eight that's hours good- to commit to chunk it down. Well, that's how that's how I write. I can't sit and just write and write and write. I have to walk away from it. And you and I have talked about mm. sometimes the creative process is you're working on something and then you have to set it down and walk away and then circle back and come back to it. Yeah. The idea of like writers being alone in a room and the idea that the words are just flowing, that's not how it actually works, people. Like it's that's not what it actually looks like. And that doesn't what it's not what it looks like with drums either. Like it's I mean, for some people again, you'll hear about people that are like really great drummers that practice, you know, three hours a day, that kind of thing. But like for the average Joe, like you could do a half hour spurts and then you gotta get up and walk and Get out of that head. You got to get away from it Mm -hmm. and then come back to it. Yeah. And I think that that's another kind of play on time. You know, it's yeah by actually walking away and just letting your mind get onto something else. Then you can come back to it with a fresh head. What if that could actually increase our productivity instead of decreasing it? Well, it obviously, we know that it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love your leading thoughts. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, totally. What if, you know, what if it actually, yeah. it's so true. You know, it totally increases productivity. Giving yourself like the more breaks you take, like just. But that's not what our culture would have us believe. It's not. It's the opposite. <laughs> it's the opposite. <laughs> Everything I think about, I just have to think of the opposite. And it's like, the, again, oh my, I think I probably mentioned this in another post, but I got to bring it up. The Seinfeld with George Costanza, uh-huh. where he finally goes to Jerry. He's like, you know what? Everything in my life has been, I've been doing it wrong. All I got to do is the polar opposite <laughs> and everything will work out. And so he basically, he's at the diner and he orders like a ham sandwich because he usually gets like tuna uh-huh. on rye. And then like he goes, <laughs> he introduces himself to a woman. Uh-huh. He's like, my name's George. I'm bald. I'm out of shape, unemployed. And I live with oh my, my parents. God. And she's like, hi. <laughs> and she's like, hi. She's like, like enamored with him. <laughs> so I have to, we it's have hilarious. To, I have to reference this because it happened almost a year ago. We've talked about dating and the experience of online dating. The very favorite comment I have ever received from a man I wish I had screenshotted it, although that was four phones ago. <laughs> he basically told me, wrote something to the effect of, you don't look all that happy in all of your pictures. You're pretty for sure, but you don't always look all that happy. <laughs> so he said it to me late at night and then I saw it the next morning and I'm reading this message and I'm just like, what do I do with this? Like, But it was uh, the honesty of it. I was like, hmm, you're actually kind of perceptive because I don't, I don't know that I ever told him. But some of the pictures that he had seen, I, I was actually very unhappily married at the time. I'm like, oh, you're picking up on something between the lines there, dude. Mm. But I wrote back my reply to him. Like, I don't even know what to do with this comment. So what an interesting way to start a conversation. Yeah. It was refreshing. It was honestly like I've shared that story with so many friends because I was like, hmm. it wasn't just, hey, how are you, dear? Yeah. 
it was a different lead in. Like, so you remember that movie, the big short. Yes. So there's a section in it where Michael Berry, who's like the kind of Asperger's kind of uh, hedge fund managers, kind of quirky. Yep. He's played by Christian Bale. And he mm. talks about his dating profile of how he met his wife. Okay. And he wrote in his profile that he's like, um, this guy, I have something like along the lines, like I have a lazy eye. I have like 60 grand in student loan debt. And he just like listed three things that were like, quote unquote, negative about him. Yep. And she wrote back, it sounds like you're perfect for me or something like that. Yeah. Like it was like, that was the, how she, he met his wife just by being blatantly honest. Honesty of it. Like yeah. we all have issues. Like everyone's got issues. Everyone's got hangups. Everyone has quirks and we all have different personalities, but you know, we all have childhood trauma and it's like, we all have our wounds and we all have our triggers and we all have our default patterns that we can very easily fall into. But what if we were just, I don't know, a little more open and honest with one another. Like mm-hmm. how different would the world be? And if, what if we were more open to the possibilities? I know we talk about this higher light reel all the time because that's the culture we're in, but it's literally like the connection comes from the opposite of that. Right. Show me like you down and be out. Be vulnerable. Yeah. Yes. Sh- show me like your worst sometimes. Show me your scars and your flaws. And then I'll, I'll connect with you. Your insecurity. Yeah. Then I'm with you. Cause I've, yeah. I feel them too. And like, I don't want to, yeah. I want to see you skydiving. Like, I don't want to see you, you know. So we have to tell the story of how we met because it's a really great story. So when I, <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've been thinking about this blog for a long, long time. I mean, I've literally been talking, it's been rolling in my head. FA confessions, confessions of a financial advisor. Yeah. And it was, inspiration. yeah, it was kind of like when I first started thinking about it, it was more telling the behind the scenes of the industry. And then I realized that's not that really what I'm interested in. I'm interested in more of, you know, the psychological, emotional aspects of like why we behave in certain ways. Why we do the things we do. Why we do the things. Yeah. I'm so interested in that. And so anyway, so I started writing some pieces, just started writing and Mm -hmm. all right, let's put a blog together. Let me figure out how to get a website together. And then my ex-wife, I think she minored in writing. We went to, we went to college together. Okay. And so she was the first person I thought of. I'm like, Listen, I'm like, I want to put this blog together. And yep. do you recommend anybody that, you know, and bam, she's like, yep, we got a friend, Diane. I'm like, oh, perfect. So I, well, I, I called you, I think, or maybe you stalked I me online. I, did I stalk you online? Yes, you did. How did I do that? You read my writing. Cause I, li- I, oh, so I did. This is yeah. like Friday afternoon, and this friend texts me. She's like, my ex is looking for a ghostwriter. Can I give him your info? I'm like, sure. What do I got? So I'm like, all right, your ex-husband. And she even said in the text, she's like, he and I are really cool. Like we're good now. Like 10 years yeah. beyond divorce. And I'm like, all right, sure. Your ex-husband has some things to write and say. And then you and I talked very briefly. <laughs> you shared your writing with me. And so I'll pull it up. And the willingness of me to show up and be like, oh, the ex-husband of a friend of mine has some things to say. Like, let's check it out. And I immediately was like, oh my God he's got really good insight. And then you and I met and like 10 minutes into our conversation, like we established our working relationship. And then you turned your head and we're like, what's your background? And I said, psychology, you just laughed. Cause it is. <laughs> both have degrees in psychology and we're sales. both in sales. <laughs> oh, it's so God. common. I think that's a common, like, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a common trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. But you and I, from the beginning, have been willing to be vulnerable with one another. And, and that was just with the blog. We didn't have a podcast back then. We basically just, you know, we started off there. I started sharing my content with you. You started working with it and putting yep. putting it together. And creating. And you texted me at one point last summer. I think you and I just need to cut to the chase and do a podcast. And I remember yeah. laughing. I was like, oh, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, the conversations are... I love having the conversations. I love the topics that we're talking about. We've been talking and I don't, from the beginning. I mean, we've been talking the whole time you and I have been working together and collaborating. Yeah. I don't remember how I said it, but I feel like I need the conversational piece with you. Yeah. Because some people I can go straight just with the written content, mm-hmm. but with you from the beginning, it was like, no, I need to talk with you. Yeah. And you would think, at least uh, going back to this time thing. Yeah. To me, like, I feel like we've been friends for a long time. I know. I feel like I've known you forever. It's been less than a year. Less than a year. I mean, it was June, right? June of 2019. We're in April of 2020. Yeah. And you asked. That was the first time. Yeah. To meet me in person because you wanted someone local. Star. Yes. We met the local Starbucks. We met at the Starbucks. All business meetings happen, right? (laughs) It was so funny because you were texting me to confirm our meeting appointment. And then you texted me like, Hey, I work from home and my workout clothes. I'm like, oh my God, you're perfect for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm currently in yoga pants. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Yeah. And it, it just seemed like it kind of clicked from like the. The very beginning. Yeah, it really did. It just. Yeah, like, and both of us yeah. were open to the possibility and the potential. And both of us were willing to show up and be open to possibility without. Mm-hmm. And it's that whole letting go of control to some degree. Hmm. Yeah. And just allowing things to unfold as they're meant to. Yeah. But sometimes the things that feel or on the surface might look highly restrictive can actually liberate us in ways that we would never have expected. Like sometimes we need certain confines to liberate. Like if you have just ultimate options, we talked about this. Total freedom, like overwhelming. Like there's too many choices. Like I can't, how many brands of cereal do you need at the grocery store? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes less is more. And we've talked about that. It's interesting. So it's bringing me back to like, just thinking about drums. I'm not going to get all nerdy with the drum thing, but like in the, in the scope of playing the drums, a lot of times you have so many different drums and cymbals that it becomes, you get lost in it. You're sort of like, there's too many options. There's too many combinations. There's too many things. And what a good drum mm-hmm. teacher once told me was that, no, just confine yourself to these two drums and just work on those two. Right. And then like, just open it up right. a little bit, a little bit at a time, but don't give yourself access to the whole entire set or stick with one concept and just go in the confines of this one mm-hmm. concept. Like explore. Yeah. And then you could be creative with that section because if it's way too open, you're going to be paralyzed by having too many options. Well, I can ghostwrite for anyone, but you have helped me discover that I actually really enjoy ghostwriting with men, Mm. which was shocking to me. I'm like, where did that come from? Yeah. But there are men in the world that I'm, this is one of my deep passions is helping men tell and share their stories. Like a lot of us women have these conversations about speaking up and sharing our stories and telling our truth. There's men in the world that have valid things to say and their stories need to be told. And it's not normal in our culture to hear them talk about it. It's, it's, it's becoming emotions and yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's very difficult. Um, Be the tough guy, whatever. Just, dude, we all have issues. Yeah, the tough guy, right? The tough guy mentality. I'm not interested in dating him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been on dates with a few of them. They weren't fun. Well, I think it's interesting because I think it, it's, there's two sides to that, right? You don't want the guy that's like, blubbering freaking hypersensitive and i don't want you to be in a puddle on the floor no, have a backbone dude you need a backbone but i think we've talked about i don't enjoy dating men who have grown up in the south right because i'm just too much for them again generalization but yeah well we haven't met all the men of the south right <laughs> <laughs> i know what you mean though i totally know what you mean but it's just like, I need someone that's going to push back at me. I want someone, it's not even need. I want someone that's going to engage with me and debate with me and challenge me yeah. to think in different ways. And it's a whole collaboration. Yeah. Like the reciprocal conversation, like show up and have a conversation with me. I don't want to talk about the weather. You want to grow. You don't grow by talking about the weather. I mean, you don't, where are you going talking about the weather? Like you <laughs> It just should meet some of my family members. Yeah. Actually, my mother still tells the story. It's been almost four years. So I was visiting them in New York and upstate. My brother, uh, his wife were getting married. And finally, after like a day and a half, I was in the car and my mother was driving and she's talking about the damn weather again. And I looked at her, I was like, I don't want to hear <laughs> another single comment about the weather. And she was like, Oh, don't mention the weather. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it was this conversation about like what the weather was going to be on the day of the wedding. And I'm like, none of you have any influence on this. Like this conversation is meaningless. Where are you going? Yeah. Just, it's just, could we not? It's killing time. <laughs> right. It's just killing time. Like that's, uh, that's what small talk is, right? You just, well, it's talking for the sake of talking. Yeah. And I'm like, if there's not meaningful conversation underneath it, like, that's why I read. And that's where I, I don't get stuck on the words. Yeah. Because even I've talked about, I can read very religious oriented people's writing. Because mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't get hung up on the words. I'm looking underneath for what's the intent. What are you really trying to communicate? I've been listening to Shameless. And have you? I have. I'm enjoying it. I am. I have opinions about it, but we don't have to go into it. But <laughs> <laughs> we could do a whole episode on that. I do like her though. She's like, yeah, she's I love funky. her style. Yeah. She's very brash and sarcastic. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Nadia Boltz Weber is the author. Nadia Boltz Weber, yeah. So I, I think the whole idea behind this dead time, time speeding up thing was I wanted to find a way to like lengthen the times of joy and shorten the times of suffering. And get away from killing time or wasting time or just like, again, small talk, just what's the point? Have a point, you know, it makes it a lot better for the listener, you know, a purpose. Yeah. (laughs) Purpose. So that's our take dead time. When you have these times in your life where taking care of someone, you're bound to a location, there could be so much liberation in that. Like it could open up so many doors Where's the opportunity? that honestly you didn't even know were there until you got confined, which again is very, very timely right now. You know, when we're literally we're co- stuck in our homes, I know I've already been to the grocery store today. So it's all downhill from here. Oh, I got at least <laughs> grocery store visits ahead of me today. <laughs> yeah. I'm planning my walks. Yeah. Three walks today. Yeah. yeah, it's the idea of restriction to liberation. And the funny thing is, like when I when we talk about these polar opposite type concepts, they really are mm-hmm. polar opposite because my mind frame, I remember being in the moment 
where it felt like my world was closed in collapsing in this terrible, like restrictive predicament that I can't get out of. Yep. And it's just terrible. And I'm just miserable. And then like, boop, you know, mind tweak. Oh, oh, it's not that. It's just the way I'm thinking. Mm hmm. That's all it was. It had nothing to do with the environment, had nothing to do with the circumstance. It just had to do with what, what my interpretation was. The meaning that we assign to it. Words only have the meaning that we assign to them. It just blew my mind that that was even possible. I'm like, I thought the situation just was what it was. There was no, I wasn't interpreting anything. It's just, that was the reality. I'm like, no, that's not the reality. And there's no real reality. It's like the reality is the way you perceive it. Mm -hmm. I know. So I think all these posts kind of tie. They all blend together. (laughs) Yeah. The stories we tell ourselves, but the stories become so real. That's the thing. It's like, and the restriction feels really real. Like it feels to your core real. Mm -hmm. And then when you shift and you see a different perspective on it, you're like, wait, it just felt so real. How could it be the opposite? How could it be something so different? Mm -hmm. And so I think of the speed of time too. When you say it's hard to wrap your head around the idea that time's not linear, you know, you, cause I mean, it just, it's lit. You look at a clock, clock is linear. It's going one direction. Yeah. It's going at the same cadence. Right. But it's not like it's. You ever been awake in the middle of the night? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too many times to count. Yeah. Those hours in the middle of the night, time just feels like it flows differently to me. Slower. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Yeah. The 3 a.m.s, 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. is like the longest hour, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ooh. I mean, we can, we can go on with this. We could go on and on and on. We can talk but, I, but I think the whole time thing is about memory, too. It's your memory of it. Yeah. Because you're always looking back on time, right? I mean, I guess you could try to look forward on time, but it's always literally like you're remembering. Reflecting. Whether it was five minutes ago or 20 years ago, it's a memory. Like it's something that's already happened. With my divorce experience every year, I'm like, what holiday went unscathed? Like they all got hit in some way. So everyone that kind of then comes back around is a point of reflection for me. So I actually received my ex-husband's divorce complaint against me on New Year's Eve. yeah. That's easy to remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Christmas. So we separate, he and I separated right before. We're not going through the holidays like this. <laughs> but now it makes me laugh. And now that I have this, the benefit of time and perspective, I find it amusing. Yeah. To reflect back on that. Yeah. Remember what you used to th- how you used to think when you were like, let's just say 18 or 20. Yeah. Like what you thought of what a 40 year old looks like or was. And you're like, holy shit, that's old. Yeah. Right? Like a 20-year-old thinking of a 40-year-old, you're like, that's like parent age. That's like, you know, you're just old. Like your life is over. Like now I'm 47 and I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, I feel like I, I don't feel like I'm old. (laughs) I thought I was supposed to be old by now. Uh Like what's old? Again, it's a time thing. It's a perspective thing. Like a a 60-year-old looking at me is like, I'm like some young whippersnapper, but to a 20-year-old, I'm old. You couldn't pay me to go back to 20. I like, I I really am enjoying 40. 40 has been a good year. 40s are getting better for me. 40s didn't start out so great, but yeah, it's progressively. They say, they say, who's whatever they are, the study out there. uh, They say, I've heard this study 
that 47, my age, uh-huh. is the actual like peak of the peak of suffering. No, the peak of suffering. Yes, because like we, what the hell? Because no. you're pay, you're in the sandwich generation. You're basically still raising kids well, and well, you're taking well. care of sick parents. And um, so they're saying that's the the peak of your stress levels, not your peak of suffering. It's the most stressful part of your life because you're also in your, your peak earning years. You're working full time. You're taking care of small kids. You're possibly taking care of like sick adults. And then they say, once you hit like your fifties yeah. and it's like smooth sailing, like fifties, like late fifties, sixties, even seventies, they say is like the joyous time of most people's lives. Hmm. It's just like a turning point. I don't know. I'm having, but you would never, young, young people don't think that way though. I got to well, tell a 20 year old. The, be- the whole millennial generation. <laughs> <laughs> that conversation. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, anyway, all right. So, de- we're going to wrap Dead time. Up. Let's wrap it up. Dead time. Time speeding up. Like, subscribe, share, review. Comment. What I miss? Comments. Follow us at faconfessions.com. Next week, it's going to be episode 25. Whew. Wow. 25. All right. So, 25 is going to be a, a cool post. It's called Harsh and Tender. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea. It's this is definitely coming from well, it has to come from a male perspective if I'm writing it, but but it's <laughs> definitely more geared towards men. I don't know if women can relate as much as men. I know men definitely can. It's the idea of like, especially when it comes to parenting, but also just any relationship that you're in. Mm-hmm. We have a tendency, just like we're we treat ourselves that to be hard on somebody. Like if somebody's not acting the way you want them to act, your tendency is to be harsh. You know, like, hey, get your shit together. Like, don't do that. And that harsh comes from fear Mm -hmm. because I'm afraid that, for instance, I'm afraid that if my daughter doesn't act the way I think she's supposed to act, she's going to suffer. Yeah. So I'm I'm scared. And same thing with friends. So if I see friends that are struggling in some way, we'll just say financially, Uh it seems to be not prevalent, but for some people it is. When I see them struggling, I want to help them and I get a little bit harsh. I'm like, listen, man, you got to like, if you can't just keep quitting your job without another job lined up, that's the, don't you see the pattern here? Right. And I kind of get a little bit harsh, like, but I'm like, it's almost like a slap in the face. Like, wake up, like snap out of it. Confronting people. It's got to be fun to be your yeah, friend. And it never, what <laughs> never freaking works. And, oh, I know I'm painting my, I'm painting a bad picture about myself, but no, I, I guess my point being is I understand that when I do react in that way, never helps, never helps. It doesn't step anybody out of anything. It makes them feel worse. It doesn't destroy the relationship, but it, like, it definitely doesn't add to it in any good way. Well, so women talk about opposites. Women are indoctrinated in the opposite. We're taught to be tender and kind and sweet and quiet. Loving. And how's that working out for us? Um, when we hit People pleasing. 36. Yeah. People recovering, people pleasing. Yeah. So it's the opposite cultural indoctrination. And that's funny you say that because like just our tones, like the way we talk to each other, you come from a standpoint that you were made to be small, like culture or society was telling you, you need to be small. And as you're getting older, you're expanding. And me, I'm the opposite. I'm like, I was told to be big and you know, and now I'm told to be tender and like kind and introverted or introspective. Um, so it's, we're coming. But you, are, but you, you are those things. 
Well, you are, uh, again, we're just coming at it from two opposite directions. I've been called bold and decisive. I'm like, hmm, yeah, I can see that. But you haven't always been that way. No. Right. And I, I've been told that I'm sensitive, that I'm like thoughtful, like that. I'm like, yeah, I think I always was that way, but I never knew I was allowed to be that way. Allowed. Oh, is that permission? permission. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a whole nother one. All right. So that's a good, well, that's a good intro to Harsh and Tender. So come yes. join us next week. It's episode 25, Harsh and Tender. And thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you next week.